We are surviving these technical issues and we're bringing you episode two. It's just me and my buddy Derek this week. Our friend Matt is traveling outside of the country. Just kidding. I forget where he is. Some kind of conference for having a very small male genitalia. We support you, Matt. Um, We will see you again soon, hopefully next week, bringing us those hot takes like Golden State going to the finals, Mavs going to the finals. Uh, If you watched anybody watch the Mavs Golden State game, Mavs won by almost 50 this week. So if that ends up happening, I know who we're putting our money on. So welcome back to Jump 95 this week, Derek. How you doing, man? Uh, it's been a good week. It's been a busy week. Lots of basketball, uh, both at my high school level and also just watching the NBA. Lots going on. Did you ever have one of those t-shirts that said ball is life when you were like in high school? I don't think I did. Okay. I had one of those. It sounds like that's your actual life right now. You're playing ball. You're watching ball. You're talking ball. Ball, ball actually was my life. So I, I, don't, <laughs> I didn't wear that shirt. I felt like the you kids didn't need who to wore those it. shirts, ball was not actually their life. That's probably true. That's pretty accurate in, in, in my experience because I was one of those non-ball is life boys. But here I am now. Can't stop me 20 years later talking about basketball to my friend for 25 people listening. Shout out listeners. Shout out uh, to Let's the talk listeners. basketball, man. What happened <laughs> what happened Love this you, week? Mom. Because the first episode we had to catch up, we had to catch up on a whole month's worth of NBA. Uh, now we have just a week or so to catch up. So I have a, a little section, little uh, what do I want to call it? A segment called "What Happened This Week." Couple headlines, couple quick top topics we can talk as long as we want or as little. Let's start with the big NBA news of the week that Mr. Carmelo Anthony is back and he still plays like Carmelo Anthony. Derek, what was your opinion of his debut with the Blazers this week? Well, I mean, he looked uh, exactly like he did the last time we saw him. He was shooting a lot of shots without really thinking much about it. Uh, Wasn't making as many as he needs to to be a valuable player. Didn't play any defense and uh, his team lost. So... (laughs) Kind of where we're at. Uh, it's been a while since Carmelo Anthony's really been an actual like positive NBA player. By my count, it's probably it's probably been like five or six years since he was doing positive stuff on a court. Like he was still putting up maybe like twenty points per game in his last couple of years with the Knicks, but like that's all he could do. And it, he he was scoring, but it was kind of like an average level. He was he was he was shooting a lot and being very average efficiency wise. Yeah. And that's kind of what we saw this week. I think it was 10 points, negative 20 uh, rating four of 14 or four of 15 on shots. Obviously four of 14 is worse than what he was doing before. And I'm sure he'll have some good moments here. There, those first five minutes had me thinking, Oh, maybe he figured something out in his hiatus. I mean, literally we ended our last podcast with Matt talking about how we'd be really good at making pies because he wasn't doing anything else. <laughs> and then five minutes later, he got signed by the Blazers. <laughs> so I think he got too into the baking and he hasn't been working on his jump shot or defense. He just was really baking pies all the time. His kitchen was always smelling great and he forgot. And then the Portland called and he's like, oh shit, I got to do that too. I forgot about that part. Yeah. So like the interesting thing to me about this isn't really Carmelo actually playing. Cause I think we all know like, Best case scenario, what's he going to do? He's he's going to be maybe a good scorer off the bench who still plays no defense. But the interesting thing for me here is the Blazers are 5-10 and 10 now. They, they've been kind of perennial in the playoffs. They, they had LaMarcus Aldridge and they traded him and then they kind of stayed good with Lillard and McCollum. I mean, they, they were down a little bit, but I mean, they've been 50 wins. They had home court advantage last year in the playoffs, if I'm, or at least they were close to yeah, it. They went to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, I think they were the four seed last year. Uh, and they ended up making it to the Western Conference Finals, like you said. Now it just looks like they're maybe not that good. Now I know Nurkic is out. Mm-hmm. And Hassan they're Whiteside missing him a lot. looks like he just doesn't care at all. <laughs> so, like, what, what are the Blazers going to do? Because they've spent a lot of money on this roster. And they don't really have a lot of flexibility to do anything else. So, my question to you, Hayden, is if you were the Blazers, are you running it back? 
with the high draft pick? Like, do you just kind of take this season away now, give Melo 30 minutes a game and just lose 55 games? No, I don't think they can. I think Damian Lillard only has so much left in him. They got to try something. This isn't going to be the last move they make. I mean, they Carmelo's not a savior. He's just a replacement for... They just need some points and they need some reason for people to be a fan of the Blazers right now. Because again, after such a great season last year, they've started like a real stinker. They've had a lot of road games, which isn't helping. But um, I don't know. I think they're going to try to make moves. Freaking Hawans, Hassan Whiteside starting for him and he's just complete garbage. Um, I don't know if they can get some other big to try to replace Nurkic. I know I've heard Kevin Love as a Kevin Love's always in trade rumors. I think he would be nice there. Who knows if he'll end up there, but I think they're going to try to do something. They're not, they're not going to tank. I think they're already past the tank. When you have Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, it's hard to tank. If they all get injured, like in Golden State's circumstance, everybody's injured, everybody's out. You can, you can go for the tank, but I don't think the Blazers are going to be able to do that, to be honest. But, but that's actually kind of uh, against the question I was going to ask, because I think their season's over already. Really? And, uh, I'm wondering, I mean, I think they are, they're going to be in the lottery next year as far as I'm concerned, or this year. So do you just keep everybody in place, wait for Nurkic to get back healthy, Lillard, McCollum, and then that, that high draft pick, add him to the mix and see if you can be good next year? Or do you just blow it all up right now and start from scratch, see if you can get a million picks for Lillard or a bunch of picks for McCollum, and then just start over? I think they're... They've had they tasted success last year, and hypothetically, they should be able to get there again. But it, things aren't clicking. They lost a lot of their bench. They lost a bunch of their starters. Um, even if they weren't big name guys, but just filling it in with Hassan Whiteside and Carmelo and Mario Hazonia is obviously not helping very much. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't see them blowing it up. But how often can you run CJ and Dame over and over again? Because they're basically the same player. CJ's just not as good as Damian Lillard. So. Yeah. Um, we'll see. It's just two two tall guards, or I guess one tall guard in CJ and Dame's a little guy, but they're good guards, but with just guards, you can only do so much. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Cavs are kind of... Yeah, they're running the same thing. Unfortunately, they're kind of built in the same <laughs> way with Garland and Sexton as their last two draft picks. Yeah. Sexton's kind of in that McCollum mold, even though Sexton's the better player right now. For sure. Between him and Garland, not between him and McCollum, but yeah, Sexton's yeah. kind of more in the McCollum role and Garland's kind of what in that Lillard role, but neither one is actually good enough to win any games. We'll see. We'll see what happens because I think the Blazers, if I'm correct, I think they're playing tonight. So maybe Melo will have a great game. Probably while we're recording, we could check the score and see if anything's happening, but that happened with Melo. And now if we go back to the draft, I don't remember what year it was. They got drafted. It was him and LeBron LeBron this week. Oh, three. There you go. He has officially put up a triple double against every single team. And also, I know you want to talk about the game that Kobe was there with the Lakers. Uh, What are your feelings this week? (laughs) Yeah. So LeBron, they played the Hawks last week. Yeah. The Hawks stink. They're going to win by 20. We all knew that. But Kobe was in the house, which Kobe came to a game last year, too. But, I mean, you're in L.A., so you'll probably bring a little different perspective on this, or at least you, you've you heard different things. So you might, you're probably more noted with it than I am. I've heard many perspectives. But, but let me read this quote for you. This, this was from LeBron after the game. It's just dope. It's just so surreal for me. Just a kid from Akron to be able to have a guy like Kobe just take time out of his day. Even at this point in my career, it's still special. That was LeBron's postgame quote after... Kobe sat courtside and watched them beat one of the worst teams in the Eastern Conference by 30 points. Uh, Coach Frank Vogel got chills having Kobe Bryant in the arena. Seriously? Chills? Now, now here's the thing. I think LeBron is full of it. I think he's figured out. I mean, you were out in L.A. last year. How much crap did he take from the Kobe fans? About how he was never going to be Kobe. Even so though LeBron's been have... better than Kobe since 2007. Yeah, people's opinions forever in L.A. has been, we don't like LeBron, we like Kobe. And then he showed up and they're all trying to figure out, okay, what do I do now? <laughs> Am I allowed to like him? Do I have to disregard everything he does until he turns into Kobe and wins a bunch of championships? It's just like nobody knows what to do with it. But 
I hear you. I think LeBron knows what to say. He's been in the media since he was 18 years old, so he knows what to say. Yep. He's not going to go out and say, the, oh, the it's LeBron just a game. LeBron James PR machine is undefeated. That dude knows what to do. He's... Except for that China thing. Except for that China thing. <laughs> that was true. the one lost. Something malfunctioned there, but he somehow he's able to turn around. But he's played against Kobe for so much of his career. Yeah. I don't get why it's okay. such a big deal. So, so, like, so, he played against him. He's <laughs> so I looked up the numbers. They, they matched up 22 times throughout Kobe's career before he retired. Okay. Guess how many, guess what the record was. Well, I'm going to, I bet the, I bet LeBron came on top 15 wins. 16 and six in favor of LeBron. Hey, yeah, so, hey, I'm Yeah, close. you were very close. LeBron dominated that matchup. Now, it's, yeah, some of them were at the end of Kobe's career, but some of them were at the beginning of LeBron's when Kobe was supposedly the best player on the planet. So, so here's their career stat lines in those 22 games. LeBron was 28 points, seven rebounds, and seven assists, approximately. I, I, I actually rounded down on the assistant rebounds, so it doesn't sound like I'm being unfair. Kobe was 25, five, and five. Great stat line, but it's not LeBron. And he, and he went six and 16. But he's got more rings, bro. That's the only thing people will say. He's got more rings. He's also got Shaq. <laughs> so, so that brings me to kind of one of my hot takes, which even... I think people who don't care oh, for Kobe yeah. usually disagree with me on. I don't think Kobe's a top 10 player all time. Ooh. I, I'll give you my hot take. I agree with you. <laughs> okay. Okay, so it's just going to be you and I just uh, agreeing with each other tonight. This is <laughs> Yeah, we officially lost anybody else that could have listened to this podcast. We're down to 23 listeners. Okay, but like I made a, a short list of some players just that I think at the very least, had a better career than Kobe. Now, I think it's important when you're making your all-time list. You could, like, obviously, like, if you threw Hassan Whiteside back in the 1960s, he's going to average 40 points and 40 rebounds. Yes, exactly. So you, you can only compare people to what they played against, like what they did relative to the time where they played. What the game looked like, because now we're jacking up thousands of threes yeah. a game. People but, shot 100 threes in a season like Bob 20 years Cousy's ago. Like Bob an all-time great. But uh, you watch some of those videos and you're like, oh, man, like, I'm pretty sure he'd get dunked on by Della Vadova. He probably also (laughs) sold insurance on the weekends to pay the bills. (laughs) Yeah. And no specific order. Here are the players that just. You're calling out names. Off a quick list. LeBron, MJ, Bill Russell, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Hakeem Olajuwon, Shaquille O'Neal, Tim Duncan, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Will Chamberlain, Kevin Durant, Oscar Robertson, and Julius Irving. He's a good player. He's allowed to be a good player and not be God. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, 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 yeah. Something might even only be like 13 or something like that. And yeah, there's there's some arguables on there, but I don't think there's enough arguables to get him into the top 10. I think he could have been a lot better than what he was because he, very similar to Carmelo Anthony's offensive game, failed to evolve with the game. He was so caught up in trying to be Michael Jordan. But Michael Jordan played in a different era. You could live in the mid-range back in the back in the mid-early 90s, late 80s. You could live in the mid-range and be a great, phenomenal player. If Kobe would have just moved his game back a bit to the three-point line, where he could make the shots, or just took better shots. I mean, early career Kobe, you, you were probably a little too young to like watch it, but like... I liked watching Kobe and Shaq. Like, like most people hate the big market teams, especially like coming from the Midwest, like we are. But like, I enjoyed Kobe and Shaq. I enjoyed the three peat. Like, Kobe was a phenomenal athlete. He could slash. He could. He was throwing alley oops to Shaq. It was. It was awesome. But like, he just fell in love with the mid range shot and fell in love with always had to be the guy taking the tough shots, just like MJ did. But you know what? There, there was one MJ. And then you aren't it, Kobe. Take that, Kobe. If you hear this episode, I want you to know you're not Michael Jordan. And we... Yeah, Kobe is going to be <laughs> listener number 26. And then he's going to tear us apart. That actually be great yeah. publicity. Someone can yeah, forward so this along to Kobe. Let him know. Get, out, get our name out there. But yeah, so like they talk a lot about the Mamba mentality. And the Mamba mentality got him the incredible skill set that he acquired, that he developed throughout his life. But I think it also held him back from be, from learning how to play the game at the optimal level, especially like taking advice late in career, saying, hey, 
three's worth more than two. Maybe we don't take that fadeaway hand in the face 20 foot, or maybe we step it back to 25. Hey, you know, this is a great transition point because three is more than two. And nobody's learned that more than our buddy, Benjamin Simmons, dropping a three last night. I saw it live. I don't know why I turned on the Knicks Sixers game. I turned it on and about 30 seconds later, I was kind of zoned out looking at my phone. I look up and I see Ben Simmons. They pass it to him. And the announcer says something like, yeah, Mr. Ben Simmons, not that great at shooting these. And then he shoots it and drains it. And the crowd goes crazy. And I text you guys. And I can't believe it finally happened. I was wrong. I thought he might not shoot it this year. But for some reason in game 14 of the season against the New York Knicks, he figured this is the time to do it. Shot looked good. He has no excuse not to do it now, I guess. Yeah, and it was really odd. Because I had to watch a replay after I got home yesterday, but he shot it with no hesitation. Like it's like a play was drawn up for him. It was drawn up for him to shoot it. I don't know. I can't understand the reason why it took so long. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna like when we talked before we started recording these podcasts. I said that I thought that Ben Simmons would shoot and make a three at some point this year. That just too big of a deal was made out of it for him not to. But I thought that, like, he would take it with hesitation. Like, we've seen Tristan Thompson make a couple threes this yeah, year. Yeah, he's trained a couple of them this year. But, like, they were both like, oh, there's nobody within 40 feet of him. And he's, like, standing alone. Like, he looks to his left, looks to his right, and he's like, oh, whatever. And then throws up. I thought Ben Simmons would do something like that. It was pure. Where Where has that been? And this segues... We're not doing a hot take segment anymore, but this is another one of the takes that I believe is pretty hot. I think Ben Simmons is the most underrated player in the NBA. That is a very hot take. Underrated in the I see because I'm I'm not a huge fan of him, so I want to hear why you think he's so underrated. Because I think he gets too much credit, gets too much leeway at times for for playing like he does. Who's giving him leeway though? I feel like all I hear is people hating on him all the time for not shooting the ball well. But guess what? He passes well. He's an amazing defender. He's an amazing rebounder. And he's a, he's a six foot ten point guard who's just locking down six two guys, rebounding his butt off. And he's a heck of a playmaker. He's still he's still been a fifteen plus a game scorer without a jump shot to this point. Like even last year in the playoffs, like people said, oh, it's not going to work in the playoffs. And yeah, his first trip to the playoffs, it was bad. But last year he was good in the playoffs, legitimately good. Yeah. I don't know. There's just something about the fit of the Sixers team that just keeps worrying me. I talked about it last week. I don't think anybody likes each other. They they barely beat the Knicks. They pull it together. Um, and I just, with the lack of shooters, kind of forcing Joel Embiid to have to be a shooter at times. If Ben Simmons can make a couple threes, make, make somewhat of a threat. He, he, he can shoot a 20, like a, a third of a three a game. Every three games, chuck one up just to get people to come out. That'll spread the offense, make him a little bit better. So I don't know if people are giving, giving him leeway, but it's just that the thing has gone on for so long that he doesn't shoot threes. And then we're all just kind of accepted. Like, well, Ben Simmons just doesn't shoot threes. People kind of give him trash, but I don't think anybody expected it to actually happen. Giannis is shooting threes. Like you said, Tristan Thompson shooting threes. There's no reason that that took him this long, but Look good. Let, let's see if it keeps coming. Hopefully, hopefully he can keep hitting a couple, make it more interesting. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see where this goes for his growth as a player right now. Because, I mean, he doesn't have to be a great shooter to open up a lot of possibilities for him to be like superstar caliber talent. Like if if he can just make an occasional one, yeah, like it's it's there. Exactly. Yeah, he can hit. He can shoot twenty five percent, but that's that's still one in four out of the times you're going to give up three points if you don't go out there. So that's better than yeah. better than nothing. That's one of the things I think has been really impressive about him. I mean, if you look at his shooting percentages, I mean, it's all around the rim. It's all within five feet of the basket. But I, he shoots fifty seven percent from the field. And I know, like I said, people say, oh, it's only within five foot of the rim. Well, if you know he's not shooting the ball, isn't everybody just packed in? Yeah, I guess. I guess so. So the fact that he's still scoring 15 a game on on almost 60% from the floor has been really impressive to me without a jump shot. All right, Derek, it's time for our Big Ballers of the Week. Who you got? Uh Uh-oh, welcome to Big Baller Zone. Uh, Who's the guy you brought last week? Marco Good. Uh, Marco Gadur doesn't have to be uh, he, that low of a, of an NBA player. Just give me somebody that performed the well. The good news is he's still alive. He's still healthy. He's st- still in the NBA. I did not jinx <laughs> yes, him. Yes, he, he put up, I think, a two-point game the other day. So he's still putting numbers up on the board. Who you got for big baller this week? I know you told me you're having, you're having an, a little bit of a struggle figuring out who you want to talk about. 
yeah, I've been busy. So like I didn't get to watch as much uh, this past week as I wanted to. So I actually ended up uh, picking someone who played against my Cleveland Cavaliers this week. Uh, he's a former uh, Division Three basketball player. Played Division Three basketball his freshman year of college. Uh, transferred to Michigan as a sophomore. This is his second year in the NBA. Uh, his name is Duncan Robinson. And that's my big ball. Duncan Robinson. Duncan okay. Robinson. Oh, he's yes. Second year, second year player. Uh, so far this year, he's hitting uh, almost three threes a game at a 44% clip. So, I mean, they got the guy's shooting the lights out. Uh, but this past week, he went 15 of 28 on threes, including eight threes against the Cavs. Oh, that was a beatdown. Yes, it was. Uh, so this past <laughs> week, he averaged just over 18 points per game, 58% from the floor, 54% on threes. And he made both his free throws. So it's a good week for Duncan Robinson. Big baller. Big baller, Duncan Robinson. This week, I uh, I have somebody who has... There's almost two somebodies of this guy in the NBA, and I'll explain in a second. He is, I think he's a second or third year player. He, he Both of the players that I'm, I'm mentioning put up 31 point games this week. There's two different Bogdanoviches in the NBA. I'm talking about the Kings ones this week. I did get a little freaked out when I, I got an email from Basketball Reference of just the stats from last, last night. Boyan for the Utah Jazz put up a 34 and three game. Um, and right, I think two nights before that, Bogdan, my big baller put up a 31 seven and four or something game <laughs> uh, with the Sacramento Kings. Shout out uh, Lake Blue Streaks uh, athletic director, Joe Bogdan. Mr. Boyan. Bog- oh, no, I'm sorry. Mr. Bogdan. No offense. He's putting up real points for the Kings. So he's my big baller of the week. Wait, I, I thought I thought Boyan was on, <laughs> on the Kings. Boyan is jazz. Boyan. Bogdan is okay. Sacramento. I know it's very confusing and they have very similar numbers, but I like Bogdan more. Let's let's we'll, we'll put up a poll this week. Are you a Boyan or a Bogdan fan? <laughs> I'm a, I'm a Boyan fan. I'm a Boyan fan. You're a, a Boyan, Boyan boy. <laughs> he's, he's actually played awesome this year for the Jazz. He has. He has done really well. Both yeah, Bogdanovich and, boys are putting up numbers. Yeah, and Bogdan, he started real slow. Yes. One of the reasons that the Kings started so slow, but Boyan's averaging over 20 a game right now. It's good to be a Bogdanovich this week. I'm sure, I wonder how that's going to, when I'm trying to edit, how many times I'm saying Bogdanovich. <laughs> yeah, I, I had to... I had to double check, make sure that we we had these players correct. Um, honorable mention, back just for a second, uh, Devontae Graham of the Charlotte Hornets. I'm loving this guy's game. He had a game winner against the Knicks. He put up 29 points. He's outplaying Terry Rozier. He's supposed to be the starter. He's only had two games less than 10 points this week. He's making the Hornets fun, which I thought they would be the by far the worst team to watch this year. So shout out Devontae Graham. But how come they aren't Matt's team? <laughs> They're not Matt's team because I wanted Matt to be – I wanted Matt to suffer. I didn't want them to – at the point I picked Matt's team, the Hornets were already a little bit fun. Wizards aren't fun. <laughs> Speaking of teams, how's your Grizzlies doing, buddy? Uh, it was it was an iffy week. They went one and two uh, since the last time we recorded. They had one really good win against the Utah Jazz, who I think could possibly like make a run in the Western Conference. But then they had a really bad loss against Golden State. Oof, that hurts, man. This is the and time they, to beat they up on a, Golden State. Then they had an expected loss against the Denver Nuggets. Yes, a scheduled loss where Jamal Murray went went off. <laughs> yeah, but uh, as far as the week went, I mean one and two. Uh, if if you told me they went one and two, I probably would have thought they beat Golden State and lost to Utah and Denver. But they beat Utah, lost to Golden State, so uh, it was a bittersweet week. Uh, I'm all about the tank for them right now. So I'm just looking to see some growth from the young players and uh, looking forward to getting a high draft pick uh, in the in the summer and rolling it back next year and hoping to get a little bit better. But my reasons for optimism right now is the sweet, sweet throwbacks that are about to wear tonight. Oh, yeah. And then those jerseys are going on sale Saturday uh, as per the Instagram account where I asked when are those jerseys going on sale. <laughs> But uh, unfortunately, one of the reasons they suck, and that this is going to be a recurring thing for me, I'm going to go reasons for optimisms and reasons they suck. So uh, my boy Jaron Jackson Jr., he's just not very good right now. Yeah, he's had a rough start to the year a little bit. Uh, he this, this past week especially, he fouled out in two out of the three games. So he ended up 
And even in the other one, he's he's been in foul trouble all year. Foul trouble is a big thing for him right now. He just can't stay on the court. He had, he'd only played 23 minutes a game this past week and got 13 points and four rebounds per game, which isn't exactly the growth they wanted to see out of him. I mean, the expectations for Jaron Jackson, yeah, he was he was not a stellar rebounder at Michigan State, but like the the mold of the player they want him to be is, I mean, he he was a great shot blocker. A little below average rebounder, but he, he could go score and defend on the perimeter inside, and he's not really doing any of it right now. So it's a little disappointing for me, but thankfully uh, we do have the future, which is Ja. <laughs> and uh, he continues to cook. Yeah. Continues to cook offensively right now. The only problem I have with his game right now is a little lack of activity on the defensive end uh, he started out in his first couple games he was racking up a bunch of steals uh but he re- he's really gone dormant in uh november on the defensive end really hasn't done a ton there but i mean just about 98 percent of rookies are terrible on the defensive end so i can i can live with that and just hope that he grows moving into the future so memphis grizzlies meh Okay, week. Uh, we're moving closer to that lottery pick, trying to keep that pick away from the Boston Celtics. Uh, I'm hoping this yes, next week I'll get to see Jaron's Action Jr. show out a little bit more. Uh, and that's that's all I got on the Memphis Grizzlies this week. Uh, since Matt's not here, I'll talk a little bit about the Wizards because they do have my boy Brad Beal over there who uh, had back-to-back 44-point games followed by a 34-point game. Uh, they had a big comeback, beat the Spurs. Uh, they're kind of in competition with uh, my boys, the Grizzlies, right now for one of those top picks. Yeah, Wizards putting up points. They not putting up wins though. <laughs> they're putting up points. Their games are fun to watch. They have one of the I think last I saw number one, number two offense, but like a number twenty nine or twenty or thirty defense. They're just they're putting up points and let the other team put up points. So like you said. Um, unlike my team that you're forcing me to watch, <laughs> there's a lot of offense going on. <laughs> Uh, you're, the magic have been really good lately. <laughs> yes. Give me, do you have any more wizard stock or can I brag on my magic? Uh, yeah, I don't really have much more on the wizards. I like Mo Wagner and uh, Brad Beal's over 30 points per game now. This week was a good ass week to be a magic fan. They went three and one. They lost to the Raptors last night, but before that they had a three game winning streak. And like I said last week, I was down on my boy, Markel Fultz, former number one pick. I was not excited about him being my point guard of the future. He was not looking good. He had terrible body language. He looked like he hated playing basketball. Uh, this week against, against the Spurs, Markel had the best game of his career. So I managed to curse that and have a very incorrect uh, take, which is why I'm not a professional at this. Duke scored 19 points. He had a game ceiling block slash steal slash dunk that threw it down. Showed some emotion. He was smiling. He had a good time. Uh, Aaron Gordon, Vucevic, Fultz, Fournier, Ross, DJ Augustine, they were all in double digits that game. Things were riding high. Um I'm quickly becoming one of the most popular Orlando Magic fans on Instagram. I'm commenting on everything. I'm getting replies. I'm getting likes. I'm getting emojis back and forth. If you look at my Instagram mentions, they are all Orlando Magic responding because um, nobody really interacts with them on Instagram because they're not a very fun team. And I, I, I started fall. I started following <laughs> the Magic on Instagram just so that because yes. since I follow you. your comments are the ones that show up for me underneath the magic so all i see is the magic and then your comment underneath every single picture that they have i'm running out of stuff to say man i I just like the last couple over the last day because i don't know what else to say because they they post so much and they're just they're not that good so there's not much to talk about I'm trying to think of the one that made me like roll over laughing. I think you said love my boys or something. <laughs> yes, like that. I did got my love my boys on one of them. And I, Orlando Magic liked it and gave me a thumbs up in reply. So I'm I'm trying to position myself as a, a very influential social media magic fan. So maybe I'll get hooked up with some tickets, maybe some free gear. Um, we'll see what happens with that. So being a magic fan has its ups and downs. This was a good week. I have a feeling won't all be good from here on out, but shout out magic shout out magic Instagram for hooking me up with all those likes. Let's give me some free gear. Um, so <clears throat> something Derek want to talk about this week as we're getting to know each other, introduce ourselves as the jump 95 crew. 
he wanted to go through our favorite lineups of the 2000s. So you want to go ahead and lead this segment, Derek? Let me know what you're feeling and thinking. Yeah, so uh, I, I was talking with Matt and uh, Hayden earlier in the week uh, before we knew Matt wasn't going to be here for this uh, this uh, podcast. But I, I thought it'd be kind of cool since, I mean, we're, we're ending the decade of the, the 2010s right now, uh, finishing up in the next uh, month and a half. And in the 2020, I thought it'd be kind of cool to look at uh, our favorite players at each position of the last 20 years, just to kind of, I mean, just kind of get a little nostalgia up in here, which is uh, something that I'm all about. So I'm just thinking uh, point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center, talking to Hayden. We're, we're going to be kind of flexible in the positions that we choose. Uh, I don't think you'll have any arguments with the one I have, but like, if a guy plays shooting guard, I don't have any problem with you putting him at small forward. A wing's a wing as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and if you if you have a power forward that you want to play at center, that's fine with me. So, I mean, uh, we'll see what Hayden has. Uh, so, I, I figure we can start out with the point guards here. Uh, we'll, we'll compare our – yeah, we'll, we'll compare our starting point guards. And I'll be honest, when I, I, I looked back at uh, – I kind of put in the filter on basketball reference. Uh, I looked at the top assist men of the last 20 years and – there really weren't a lot of names that shot out at me, which was kind of surprising. So I just kind of went back to the old tried and true in honor of our boy, Matty B. And I went with uh, Steve Nash as my point oh, guard. And uh, the season I'm going to highlight for him is uh, 2006. That was his second MVP season. A lot of people argue that he didn't deserve it, but it's whatever. He got it. Uh, and he averaged 18.8 uh, points per game, uh, 4.2 rebounds and 10.5 assists. On 51% from the floor, 44% on threes, and 92% at the line, which makes him a part of that uh, heralded 50-40-90 club. And uh, the the, the cool thing, uh, one of the cooler things I think is about Steve Nash is is you hear a lot of these guys, a lot of those older basketball players, the retired ones, talking about how the game was better back in their day. You hear it all the time from the old players that oh, yeah. the get off my long guys. Steve Nash is a guy who mentally has continued to evolve with the times. Yes. Uh, and I think the interview was last November. So like almost a year ago, exactly. Cause I had to look up the article just to make sure I got the quote, right? Steve Nash admits that he should have shot the ball more. Yeah. I remember seeing that. Like he, he should, he should have been Steph Curry. He could have been Steph like what Curry. What Steph Curry is now is, is what Steve Nash yeah. could have been. And, and the exact quote was, I probably should have shot the ball 20 times per game. And I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. I've looked them up real quick. Just Steve Nash stats. I mean, he was never much of a shooter. I mean, this yeah, the season I highlighted, he scored almost just under 20 a game. But I mean, for the majority of his career, he's a 15-point-per-game guy. I mean, yeah, if you look across his, his years in Phoenix, which – Phoenix were his prime years. He he averaged 14.4 points per game. He only shot the ball 10.5 times per game during his Phoenix days. So this is Steve Nash admitting that he should have shot the ball twice as much as what he did. But still managed to be one of the best point guards we've seen in the last 20-something years by far. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in terms of point guard play and being a playmaker, running an offense... Like, Steve Nash is as good as it gets. So, I mean, for him to say, I should have done this differently would be akin to, like, Michael Jordan saying, I really should have shot more threes. Which <laughs> he should have, but he's never going to say That's that. very true. He'll never hear Michael Jordan admit he did anything. Maybe I should have. Like, he's never going to come out and say, I should have shot more threes instead of all those 20-footers. But it doesn't matter because he's a top two player of all time. So absolutely, look at you sliding in the top two player. <laughs> Got to get those hot want, takes. I don't want to argue here. <laughs> it's inarguable that he's top two. So, <laughs> um, my, I guess you could slot him in a shooting or point guard. Um, I'm gonna go with one of my favorite players growing up, who is a short guy, Mr. Allen Iverson. Um, 2000 MVP. He is the famous step over Mr. Tyron Lou. He's the four times scoring champ. The dude's uh, a little Carmelo Anthony like, or his career kind of sizzled out at the end, playing on the Pistons and all these teams that he didn't really need to be there. But his prime years were so much fun to watch. That dude just put his head down and could score on anybody. He's barely six foot, 
covered in tattoos, <laughs> cornrow. He just like he was he was a great player, but the the attitude he brought to the game was. I just love that because I was a little kid. I guess I'm going to go against what I was saying, but I could see myself on Allen Iverson. I was loving basketball, but I was so little and nobody wanted me to do anything. Nobody wanted me to score or play, but Allen Iverson was like, screw you. I can do this. I can bring a team to the finals. I can win game one against the the great Lakers and, and make myself and make my team win. Obviously, they didn't win the series, but coming out and blowing up game one, stepping over Ty Lue, winning the game just by himself. That dude was a beast. So I loved watching, watching Allen Iverson. And it's a shame he's, his career ended the way it did, but when he was playing, he was, he was a beast. Yeah, he, he certainly was. Like he, he didn't play the style game that I love. I mean, I'm a basketball coach. How could, how could you love what Allen Iverson as yeah, a coach? Exactly. I think you'll see the difference between the yeah. two of us. And you like passing, you like those. I love the dudes that could just put their head yeah, down I mean, and score. He, he's the guy who has the meme pref, press conference of practice. We're talking about practice. Practice. <laughs> so, like, it's, it's pretty much against everything that I am for. But I, I appreciate his greatness. Uh, but, yeah, he won't be able to guard Steve Nash. Oh, so. that's funny. But Steve Nash won't be able to guard him either. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. He did shoot the ball 20-plus times a game. That was the only thing he did. He was not much of a passing point no, guard. But, anyway. Yeah, Allen Iverson, yeah, I don't I don't think uh, – I would love to hear an interview from him that says he should have shot more. <laughs> that, that, that would be some comedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was great, man. So my starting shooting guard, like I said, these are our favorite players of the last 20 years. Now, they're all going to be good. They're all going to be – all-star calibers, carry a team caliber type players. But just I've just given you fair, fair warning since this guy is not the best shooting guard of the last 20 years. He was just really good and really fun. And I loved every bit of his days as a Toronto Raptor. And that was Vince Carter. Hey, that's a good choice. Yeah, I feel like you might have him too. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I think that that's what I was trying to figure out. I'm between a couple guys. I'll go with one of my alternatives in because because I, I actually have typed out here backup Vince Carter because that dude go go ahead. But I love Vince okay. Carter. I love him. Yeah. So just thinking back to those throwback Raptor jerseys with that cartoon dinosaur on the jersey, the the, the purple madness, him uh, winning dunk contest. He was just awesome. And I mean, I feel like he fell out of superstardom way too soon. Like, he got dinged up when he went to New Jersey. He kind of left Toronto on bad terms. Didn't really stay in the shape he needed to to be that perennial all-star into his 30s. If if, if I told you he made eight all-star games, when do you think the last all-star game he made was? Oh, I mean, he's been playing for 20 years. Probably 10 years ago. Probably 2008, 2009. His last All-Star game was in 2007. Oh, my God. (laughs) He made eight consecutive All-Star games from his second season of his career until 2007. And his his last All-Star game was at age 30. He's currently still playing at age 43 on the Atlanta Hawks. So he's basically been playing the last dozen-plus years as a role player, which has been a really cool evolution. Like, thinking back, like... When he got to Dallas, do you remember him playing for Dallas? I I barely remember it. I, there's a kind of a blank period, like a that I didn't follow basketball super tightly, and I think he was in Dallas during during that time. Um, but I remember seeing later on, like seeing a Vince Carter Dallas jersey, and be like, "What? When did when did that happen?" <laughs> yeah, so he he was with Dallas. Uh, unfortunately for him, right before they won the championship, he left for Memphis the year they won it. I think or. No, he came right after they won the championship. He was, uh, yeah. But anyways, we thought that was the end of his career. Oh, and it could have been. He would have had a great career. Like, he he went to Dallas in 2011. It was like, all right, this is his swan song. Yeah, the dude's great. And then he turned into a phenomenal role player in Dallas and just kind of kept it rolling. Went to Memphis, played on some good Memphis teams, continuing to just be a role player. Just kind of spot up shooting, and it still had the athleticism just here and there in spots. I mean, now kind of these last three years, he hasn't been playing on any good teams, but, I mean, he's still hanging around. And it's just nice to see uh, Vinsanity still out there getting after it. 
But the, the season I the season I'll highlight for him was uh 2001, which was uh actually his uh third year in the NBA, so the 2000-2001 season. Uh, it was his career high, uh, 27.6 points per game, 5.5 rebounds, 3.9 assists. Uh, it was his best shooting season. Uh, he made 2.23s on 41%. And, uh, yeah, it's insanity. I was all about it. Uh, sometimes I still think about uh, going out and buying one of those throwback Raptor jerseys of his. But uh, then I realized that I'm an adult and I need to spend my money more wisely. <laughs> Um, yeah, the thing about him is you compare him to a guy like Carmelo Anthony and Carmelo's didn't keep up with the times. He didn't accept his role. He's not able to adjust to the game. And, and, uh, Vince Carter did that and is still doing that. He's like the anti ring chaser. He went to the worst, one of the worst teams in the league. He could have probably got a vet minimum in Houston or in Golden State or with the Cavs when they were great. But he's like, no, I just want to keep playing. I want to develop young guys. I just love playing basketball. Give me 10 minutes a game. I'll shoot a couple threes. It's it's awesome to see. The guy is is so good. In the 2001, 2000, I can't remember which dunk contest is. I would go back and watch that probably once a year because it's one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. Um, yeah, you, you got that honey dip. Oh, the honey dip, the windmill just to start it off. It is, it's so much fun. The guy is, the guy is awesome. The, your your Carmelo Anthony uh, comparison, I, I hadn't thought of that. And there, there are a lot of parallels. Like, obviously, they played very different styles of game. Very, very different. But their peaks kind of... Ended similarly. The last time Vince Carter averaged over 20 points per game, 08-09 when he was 32. Carmelo, the last time he averaged over 20 points per game, 16-17 when he was 32. And then he went to OKC to be a role player. Yeah. And couldn't figure it out. Yeah, because he didn't think he was a role player. (laughs) Yeah. Vince Carter went from there to Orlando where he – he was still one of the top guys on that team, but he really just wasn't quite good enough. I think they still had Dwight Howard at that point, and they were trying to just piece something together because they had just gone to the championship in 09. So they were like, oh, Vince Carter can be that piece that gets to over the top next year, and he just wasn't quite that guy anymore. And then something clicked for him, and he became that role player. I think I think a lot of it probably had to do with he went to Phoenix uh, that next year. Orlando traded at midseason. He ended up in Phoenix before he ended up going to Dallas. And I think he uh, really just figured out how to stay in the NBA, which Carmelo hasn't, <laughs> obviously. Now, for my shooting guard, I wasn't entirely sure where I wanted to go with it. Um, I'm probably my least favorite answer I have on the podcast, well, but <laughs> might as well figure it out. I wanted to go with the guy that I grew up loving. Um, as a guy who... I don't know if it was considered a shooting guard, but it, it'll connect to my my power forward. I was thinking Wally Zerbiak. I loved watching oh, that dude grow up because I loved I loved the the Timberwolves. Like I said, growing up, that's when I was way into it. I followed Wally. He ended up being a Cav, but that's I wasn't. I, I always had you pegged for more of a Tom Gugliotta guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a Wally man for sure. Wally. Freewell, Tam Cassell, those guys, those were my guys growing up. I, I was the only Minnesota Timberwolves fan I knew, but I was obsessed with that team. Um, I went with a, a current player who I really, really enjoy watching. I love, I love watching Damian Lillard play. Again, this isn't my favorite answer because I, I couldn't think of a, a great shooting guard I love, but and I guess Dame's kind of listed as a point guard, but the dude can shoot like crazy. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with shooting guard. Yeah, let's, um, but, let's just pretend that he's point guard and Iverson's shooting guard. Exactly. Let's get, let's do it that way. But I love I love watching Dame play. That's your backcourt. Exactly. One way or another. Between the two of them, no one's gonna pass to each other. They're both gonna shoot a hundred times a game. Um, but Lillard, after after last year, where. They kind of dragged the, the Blazers. They beat up the the Thunder. He put up a 50-point 50, 50 game. Um, I just – I really enjoy a player like that that sticks around, that is on, a ba- on bad teams. He wants he wants to win for his city. He doesn't want to just go join any team here and there. I respect that about a player, which that's kind of a – a pattern. Well, for a couple of the players on my on my my team, but I really really enjoyed that about him. So, sorry, Wally Zerbiak, you're gonna have to maybe next time, but we'll we'll stick with Dame for now. All right, all right. So moving on to our other wing position, and I am keeping it in the family. 
Do you, do you know who my small forward is? You're keeping it in the family. I mean, if it's anybody besides in the family, if anybody besides LeBron, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's Tracy McGrady. Oh, Tracy McGrady. Look at Vince, you. Vince Carter's cousin. Vince's cousin. Yeah, dude. Tracy McGrady was in that dunk contest, too. That dude was great. He just happened to be going up against the greatest dunker of all time. Yeah, that that is one of my greatest what ifs. Because I'm not even sure if you remember, but he started his career with Toronto playing with Vince. Like he was kind of like uh, their point forward a little bit. Like he played those first three years coming out of high school as a Toronto Raptor, and he developed his game there, and he was pretty solid. And then he went to Orlando at 21 after that contract was up and just blew up. So I I am a, I'm a Tracy McGrady is my small forward. Not not the pile on Kobe, but I mean at T Max peak he was right there. Yeah. Injuries really ruined his career, but that dude was a beast. Yeah, because, I mean, listen, the, the season I'm highlighting for him was the 0-2-0-3 season. He was 23 years old. 23 years old. This is already his sixth year in the NBA at this point. He's 23 years old, averages 32 points, 6.5 rebounds, 5.5 assists on, on great shooting percentages. I mean, this wasn't Allen Iverson shooting under 40% from the field just trying to carry Aaron McKee and Eric Snow up and down the court. I mean, he was 39% behind the arc on high volume. He was dunking on people. I mean, Tracy McGrady was that guy. He was getting to the free throw line, making almost an 80% clip, 32 points per game in 2003. Tracy McGrady, that's my small forward. He also had some sweet shoes. I remember when the T-Max came out and I was, I really wanted them so bad. Mike Schaefer in my grade, shout out Mike. He had the red ones and the blue ones. He used to wear one of each to school and man, was I jealous of those T-Max. Those were some sweet ass shoes. You know, I, I went to a, an Indians game with Mike like a year and a half oh, ago. Did you really? Yeah. Not this past summer, <laughs> the summer Mike before. Yeah, shout out Mike Schaefer. <laughs> um, my uh, small forward, I, I kind of... Uh, I made it obvious. I went with LeBron James. Have you, have you heard of him? Once or twice. One of the best uh, players of one of the best players of all time. Top two players, some might say. Um, I love I love watching LeBron. Obvious. It, it, there's no season to highlight um, besides 2016 when the Cavs won the championships. One of the greatest things you've ever seen. If you're from Northeast Ohio, just what that meant for the city, what that meant for Cleveland fans, which have put up with so much shit. The guy. In year 17, dunking on people, playing at some of his best ball he's ever played. Who knows if he'll ever retire. <laughs> um, it's it's almost boring to talk about him because he's so good. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, all right, LeBron's really good. Yeah, what else is there to say? Yeah, well, what what can we say about LeBron that hasn't yeah, already I, been said? I, I don't need to convince like, anybody that he's worth having on a team. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, his resume speaks for itself, and we all know what it is. Yeah. So I, I mean, there's a lot of people that, that – uh, they, they knock him like like we we talked before about how like I'm not a huge LeBron guy, even though from Northeast Ohio Cavs fan. Like, thanks thanks for the ship uh, as a teacher, as a coach. I love what he does for inner city Akron. Uh, just he's just not my guy on the basketball court. Like if he's not a Cav, I'm not rooting for him. That's uh, just kind of where I am with LeBron James and. Uh, but even I can admit, like he's he's the best of all time. Or, or no, I'm I'm trying to stay nuanced now. I've given enough hot takes. Uh, he's 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 inarguably top two of all time. Inarguably top two of all time. He's one of them. Michael Jordan's the other. So I mean, it's those two guys at the, at the top of the pyramid looking down on everybody else. But like, hey, if LeBron's in a Memphis Grizzlies jersey next year, will you be yeah. a fan? <laughs> okay. <laughs> But <laughs> okay, but yeah, I mean, a lot of people knock LeBron for his imperfect finals record because MJ went six and zero in the finals. But but you know what? Nobody ever talks about the fact that MJ lost before the finals in those in yes. every other year, but yes. those six. It's better to not get to the finals than it is to lose. I guess that's the. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. That's what I'm getting out of this because, I mean. So, so people are telling me they'd be better if LeBron had lost to the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals or if he had lost to the Pistons instead of going to get destroyed by the Spurs. So, somehow that's better? 
I don't, I, I don't get it. I, I, I'm definitely not a LeBron apologist. I'm just a, I'm just a guy from Akron. Just trying, <laughs> you're just trying, you're just a kid, hashtag kid from Akron. <laughs> All right. You want to go power forward? Who you got? Yeah, I've, I've got, this is, this is my most exciting position. I, I'm, I'm excited to talk about mine. Uh, I've got the LeBron killer right here. I've got Dirk Nowitzki as my power forward. Oh, big D. Yeah, big big Dirk. I uh, got the the, big the leg kick fadeaway, uh, which in my opinion, mm. I'm starting the petition on change.org. Uh, that's going to be the new NBA logo. Get out of here, Jerry West. You're you're old. Nobody cares about you anymore. Yeah, he he's old and washed up. He's, he's yeah. not doing anything anyway. He's just running every successful <laughs> franchise in the NBA <laughs> franchise in the last twenty years. <laughs> yeah, he, he just he just built the the three peat Lakers and then got bored, so he went and built the grit and grind Grizzlies, and then he went and built the Warriors, and then he went and built the Clippers. Besides that, the guy's doing nothing. <laughs> Besides that, Jerry West isn't doing shit. <laughs> <laughs> but Dirk Nowitzki, my power forward, uh, highlighting his 2005-2006 campaign, which was not his MVP season. The Ooh. following season was his MVP season, but I think he was better in 0506. Uh 5 he put up 26-6 points per game, 9 rebounds, 2.8 assists. Just missed out on the 50-40-90 club at 48-41-90. Uh, the following year, he did hit the 50-40-90 club and made MVP, but I'm choosing the 0506 team as his best season because that is the year that he took them to the NBA Finals against the Miami Heat, uh, which ended up not ending well because, well, I mean, the Miami Heat lived at the free throw line hmm. and uh, took him down. But yeah, the uh, 0506 version of Dirk Nowitzki is my MVP. Or my power forward. <laughs> well, I guess or your MVP. You could pick. My, this will be my MVP. This is my my f- <laughs> my uh, my favorite player of all time. The big ticket himself, Mr. Kevin Garnett, KG with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, he won the MVP with the Timberwolves in two thousand three, two thousand four. Um, he somehow managed to be one of the players that left his team to move on and win a championship and still be incredibly beloved by the city he left. There was no bad blood when he left for the most part to go to Boston and try to get a champion, which he ended championship, which he ended up doing. Um, he came back to the Timberwolves. He, he went to the nets, which I don't want to talk about, but he came back to the Timberwolves. He's still fully involved in them. He loves their team. I think one day he'll probably end up owning the Timberwolves, which would be great. He is. I saw the stat the other day. He's the only player in NBA history that's currently top 50 in career points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. The guy was just so much fun to play. He played with such aggression, such passion for the game that I just love to watch. Like I, like I have Allen Iverson on my team. I love guys that are just so, so into basketball as they're playing. And Kevin Garnett is that guy. I still have a Kevin Garnett jersey that I'll break out and wear every once in a while. Um, I wore it to the last season that Kevin Garnett was a Timberwolf. I wore my Kevin Garnett jersey to a Cavs game, but he sat on the bench because he was 75 years old and he only played like 30 games that season. But me and Matt actually spent the whole game just trying to get his attention. And people all throughout the, uh, the queue at that time uh, would come up to me and be like, hey, why are you wearing a Timberwolves jersey? Oh, wait. Oh, that's KG. That's cool. That's cool. That dude's just beloved and respected. So he's my MVP and my power forward, Mr. Kevin Garnett. Very good. Uh, you, you're going to need that defense down there in the paint because uh, my center's coming for you. And that that is, uh, that is the real deal. The big daddy, the big Aristotle, the big cactus, the big banana, the big shamrock, the big agave. Shaq Daddy, Manny Shacquiao, the big equotatious, Superman himself, the big Shaqtus, Shaquille O'Neal. Those are all legitimate nicknames that I found. Is that the basketball <laughs> reference nickname list? Uh, I had to go off of that because they don't even, they only list about seven of them. And there are so many more. Oh yeah, you know there's more than that. That Shaq continued to give himself over the years. I mean, he would dig deep. How did he get the big Aristotle? <laughs> Come on. Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, I believe the best season that I could get. Now, I, I think athletically he peaked in with the Orlando Magic in the 90s. 
my Orlando Magic. Thank you very much. With yeah, your Orlando Magic in the in the nineties, but we're we're doing from uh, two thousand till now. So I'm taking uh, the two the year two thousand version of Shaquille O'Neal, which is when he got his first championship ring, uh, the ninety nine two thousand season, got his first championship ring with the Lakers. Uh, arguably hit the best season he had of his career. 20, almost 30 points per game, almost 14 rebounds, almost four assists, three blocks per game, almost 60% from the field, averaged 30 and 15 in the finals, and played in 79 games. Wow. Which, I mean, you you don't even think about. He missed a ton of games throughout his career. One of the, I was listening to uh, Bill Simmons' podcast uh, recently, they were talking about where Shaq places among the all-time greats. And uh, one of the quotes they had from him, one year, uh, I guess he injured his toe and needed surgery. Uh, put it off all offseason because, quote, I hurt my toe on company time, so I'm going to rehab on company time. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, could, could you imagine the heat he would have gotten? L- listen to this. He, he goes to L.A. after those first four years in Orlando. Like, he is the talk of the town. He's making movies in Hollywood. He's doing – he did blue chips before he even played in the NBA. Kazam, Steel. I mean, he was the first black superhero, even though Steel sucked as a movie. He's, like, the, the first big black superhero. Like, seriously. Yeah. So his first three years in L.A., while he's making movies, living the Hollywood life, he plays in 51 games. He plays in 60 games. He plays in 49 games. Oh, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize how much time he missed. Could you imagine, like, LeBron just went there right now. Yeah. He he was hurt last year. Played in 50-some games. I don't have it off the top of my head. All the heat he got, imagine if he did it this year. Again. And then next year, again. Could you imagine the flack he would take for that? I mean, the flack... Someone like Kawhi Leonard's getting now for for taking breaks. I didn't even realize Shaq did that, to be honest. And nobody questions Shaq's greatness. Nobody doesn't have him in their top, whatever, five, ten players of all time. Nobody questions what he did. And he played for 100 years, I guess. Um, It helped out some. It helped with his longevity. Helped him score and win championships. So, I guess you you live with the results. Yeah, the thing is, uh, one, one of the analogies I liked, like, I went to college. Like I graduated with like a 3.0. I probably could have done better if I had focused a little more on school and a little less on the extracurriculars, the having fun and all that stuff. And you know what? Uh, Shaq probably graduated his NBA career with like a, a better than a 3.0, maybe like a 3.8, something like that. But he could have been 4.0 if he wanted to be. But I don't think he'd change anything about that. Yeah, he probably wouldn't. <laughs> like he lived his life. But that 99-2000 season, he played in 79 games. That, that was the last time he played in that many games. But it's the first three seasons of his career, he played 81, 81, 79. After that, he didn't play more than 60 until that season where he played 79. Wow. I didn't realize that. And then after that, he, he kind of stayed in the low 70s, upper 60s for the rest of his prime throughout L.A. and Miami for uh, – wrapping things up with Phoenix, Cleveland, and Boston. But uh, Shaquille, he was just my guy. I mean, 99-2000, I was was 11 going on 12. It was, I mean, that's that's the impressionable age where, like, you're forming your favorites. And I just, there was this charismatic, gigantic man just dunking on everybody. And I fell in love. Shaq Daddy, that's my center. Man, Shaq, Shaq Daddy would be my center, but I'll play by the rules. So I'll give you Shaq Daddy. Um, I did a quick Google and I figured out who I want as my replacement center. Um, NBA, champ- <laughs> <laughs> NBA champion Ben Wallace is going to be my Ooh. my center because I because I started. I, I honestly forgot about this guy. And then I, I as you were talking, I was trying to figure out who I want to talk about. And this guy came up and I realized he's. He was a beast. Four-time uh, defensive player of the year, champion, rebounding champ, block champ. He only averaged 5.7 points per game, but 
the the Pistons. I think it was the 2004 Pistons that won the championship. He was a huge part of the team. He wasn't wasn't a huge. I mean, he obviously was a big NBA player, but he wasn't Shaq size. But he could hold his own against anybody down in the paint. Um, yeah, I I really I forgot how much I enjoyed watching Ben Wallace. After this, I'll probably go watch some Ben Wallace highlights. He's also part of one of my uh, childhood NBA memories of the malice at the palace that happened versus the Pistons and Pacers back in the day. Yeah, the uh, anniversary of that was just uh, this past week. Yeah, because I saw a lot of people uh, highlighting that in regards to uh, Miles Garrett swinging his helmet at Mason Rudolph because uh, Jermaine O'Neal was throwing the haymaker of his life at some guy and like slipped on a wet spot on the floor else he would have ended this person's life. And and he, and I think he ended up getting a twenty five game suspension that he appealed down to fifteen, which is which which is less than a quarter of the NBA season. Which Miles Garrett is just getting ended right now. He's canceled. <laughs> He's canceled for the year. It's a different time. I remember being. I guess the Mouse of the Palace would not be a highlight for the NBA. They probably is one thing they want to forget, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was awesome. <laughs> but Ben Wallace was a great player, and and since my Shaq daddy got taken. Obviously, if I could pick, I'd pick Shaq Daddy because he's a beast. But 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 Ben Wallace was great as well. So I think between him and KG, nobody's, I guess, besides maybe Shaquille O'Neal are going to score in the paint. <laughs> That's the only two guys that, that can shut him down. Yeah, I, I loved Ben Wallace back in the day. His, his highlights, even though, like you said, he, he never cracked double digits. Even Rodman cracked double digits at some point. The blocks he got were incredible. And, I mean, he was a great finisher around the hoop. Like, they they... Like, whatever points he did score were typically off lobs. And he had some thunderous dunks. And some big-ass biceps. But but do you, do, you know where he, do you know where he started his college career? I do not. He ended up at Virginia Union. And then he went undrafted, ended up with the Mats Washington Bullets the season before they became the Wizards for catching on in Orlando and then just shining in the early 2000s with the Pistons. But the very first school he went to uh, after – leaving Hainville, Alabama, Cuyahoga Community College. Hey, shout out Cuyahoga Community College. Tri-C, try, try baby. Tri-C, try baby. C. Home of Ben Wallace for a year or so. <laughs> so there's our lineups of the 2000s. We'll get Matt to, maybe we'll get him to do it next week or he'll have him Texas or we want to hear what he's got going on. Yeah, maybe well. we could put together a graphic or yeah. something for, for the gram. Got to do it for the gram. Now it's time for our weekly pickums. I don't have the. I think. Who did you pick for last night? You picked off the top of my head. I don't recall. What was the game last night? It was. Is that bad? No, it's okay. There's there's gonna be a lot of these. Um, all right. So last night's game was the Clippers Celtics. Clippers minus six and a half. I picked the Celtics. You guys both picked the Clips, but the Clips only uh, won by three. So my understanding, which is not very much, I think I won. Right? Yes. Yes, you okay. did. Yes, you did. And then, so, so you're. I'm three so and zero. You're four and zero. Oh I'm three and zero. Oh. Okay, you're. Okay, our other game is coming up tomorrow, right? Yeah. Yes, okay. I'm three and zero oh in both, and Matt's one and two, and you are two and one. So I'm pull. I'm pulling away at this point, but um, I don't think we explained it in our last. We explained it in our last episode, but. The, what happens is we're going to keep track of these throughout the whole year. And our original plan was whoever lost would have to take the ACT. We figured that's probably too much of a cruel and unusual punishment and just stupid. But uh, the loser will buy a jersey choice for the winner. But the the guy that comes in the middle gets to pick what the jersey is. So they can go whatever direction they want. It could be stupid. It could be it could be for the team that they rooted for all year. It could be whatever they want. It could be a custom jersey, I guess, if they wanted. They could get <laughs> So so right so right now, if it ended today, I'm making Matt buy you a Stefan Marbury jersey. <laughs> hey, I'll wear a Stefan Marbury jersey every day. As long as it's not a Starbury Dave and Buster's brand jersey. Because I had some of his uh his shoes. I didn't need his jerseys. <laughs> Our picks this week, we got Boston versus Brooklyn Wednesday. You have a line at minus five and a half. And then Phoenix versus Dallas. Yes, Celtics minus yes. five Celtics and a half. Celtics minus five and a half. Phoenix versus Dallas, minus two and a half for Phoenix on Friday. What are you feeling? Who's your picks this week? Yeah, so since a uh, little explanation here where we're getting the lines because we're not getting them from Vegas because the lines haven't been released yet. But uh, yes. 538 actually has a, a, a program called Raptor. And they kind of put out lines 
for the games oh, really? pretty, okay. pretty far in advance. So that's what I've been looking at to get these. Uh, because obviously, uh, given what has happened in the past week, it seems a little odd that the Suns would be favored over the Mavericks, even at home. But based off what has happened the entire season, off their statistical models, that's what they have. So that's what we're going to roll with just for consistency purposes. But So we have Celtics uh, minus five and a half against the Nets. And uh, I'm going to stick with the Celtics here, given the I'm points. Gonna go with, go, I'm going to go with Brooklyn. I think Kyrie's going to try to have – if he's back. I know he's injured right now. Yeah, maybe, hopefully it is be- in Boston, so that crowd will be hostile, even if Kyrie is playing. And I've almost found in the past, watching him as both a Cavalier and a Celtic, that when Kyrie does want to take over – it usually doesn't go yes, well. Yes, it's true. Like, <laughs> this, like this could very easily be like an 11 for 36 shooting yeah. game. When there's less pressure, he seems to do better. I don't know. The dude hit the biggest shot in Cleveland. Like when he just lets it come yeah. to him. I mean, that's the same with any basketball player. If you force it, it doesn't go well. Yeah. And then Phoenix versus Dallas. I'm going to go with Dallas. Uh, Phoenix has kind of fallen off. Our boy Aaron Baines is not leading him. Like, I mean, they're still seven and six, but... I would still rather go with the Mavericks, I think, in this yeah, case. Yeah, the Suns are kind of falling off a little bit. Uh, Matt kind of called it when he named Rubio's big baller of the week last week that Rubio could very well suck the rest of the year, and he did not have a very good <laughs> week. I think he missed the game, and then he threw like an, uh, an 0 for 7 out there. Uh, just wasn't a very good week for Rubio. Uh, Bane, Baines was dinged. He missed a game, I think, as well. He might still be out. I know he's at least day-to-day. Uh but Mavericks at Suns. Suns given two and a half points, so I'm going to take the points at the Mavericks. All right. We'll get Matt's answers. I'll either add it to the episode or put it in the show notes or something, but we'll get it out there. Um, again, I'm 3-0. Matt's 2-1. and one. I'm sorry. Derek's 2-1 and one and Matt's 1-2. and two. Keeping track for the year. Um, this was episode two of Jump 95. We missed our, our buddy Matt. Um, hopefully come back next week. We have Thanksgiving next week. R.I.P. Hilton Head. Um, hopefully we don't actually jinx them and something terrible happens to Matt because we'll never be able to release this episode. But I think he'd want us to even if something bad happens. Yeah, they will definitely think it was us. <laughs> yeah, they will have recorded a whole conversation they can use against us in court. So hopefully that doesn't end up happening. Why did you say R.I.P. on Thursday night and you didn't die till Friday? <laughs> what did you know? What are you not telling us? Uh, thank you, Jump95 listeners. Share with your friends. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter, Jump95Podcast, where you can find all that. We will see you guys again next week. Eric, got anything else you want to say? No. Peace out. Peace out. We'll see you soon. Talking basketball.